4.05 left here in overtime, number three. And the Hurricanes have now officially played the longest game in their team's history. Yeah, that, that in fact happened. Mike was telling the truth, and they would go on to play the sixth longest game in NHL history. This league that has existed for over a century. There has only been five games longer than the one the Hurricanes played this morning, I guess. I'm sitting in my guest bedroom, uh, my office, whatever you want to call it, at 2.15 a.m., about 15 minutes after the Florida Panthers take game one inside of PNC Arena with just seconds remaining and quadruple overtime. Not just an extra game, an extra game and then some. We have some stuff to talk about. We're not going to be entirely negative, but it's hard not to, being this close to such a deflating loss. But we're going to try very hard not to be. I don't want to delay anything, but I also don't want to hear John Forsen say the Hurricanes win in overtime. So, I'm going to obfuscate for a second longer, and now we're going to play the thing. Welcome to Home Ice Advantage. With historical perspectives, modern-day deep dives, special guests, and a healthy mix of good, bad, and or hot takes, this is the best place for you to learn about your Carolina home games. I just want to say thank you, and I'm looking forward to this challenge. It's an honor, and I think we're going to do great things. No, they did not, Mr. Forslund. No, they did not. Uh, I'm so confused on how to run this episode, mainly because I'm tired. I, I normally wake up at 7 in the a.m., and it's currently 2 in the a.m. now. <sighs> Anyways, so a little pulling back the cord, a look um, underneath the rink. I take notes during games. Obviously, right? Like, that makes a ton of sense. Um, if I'm in the building, I don't. But when I'm at home, notebook, pen, I jot some thoughts down during each period, after each period, through the period. You know, I try to find the big storyline moments I'm going to talk about. And I have three pages worth of notes for the game, for the, like, regulation part of the game. And then for overtime, I have nothing. I wrote down OT, and then never wrote anything down again. And I don't want to talk about regulation. Uh, we can. It's whatever. The Panthers started out the game on top, and then the first period is mainly them figuring each other out, plus trying to get back to their game after not playing hockey for almost a week. Second period was all Carolina. Ultimately, uh... Game gets tied up 2-2, we go to overtime. Uh, I will say that Carolina looks like they didn't have a lot of intensity in regulation. They didn't have the urgency that you would expect in the fourth game of the Eastern Conference Finals. They got back to looking 
for a passing lane instead of a shooting lane, which they did a lot during the regular season, and it was infuriating. It's almost like they forget sometimes that they have the talent to move the puck up the ice, like an individual player. No passes, just an individual player can move a puck up the ice. And I know Martin Natchez takes a lot of flack for when he you know, tries to cut through the defense and eventually loses it. But everyone on this team can cut through a player. And it just seems like they weren't interested in doing that for the wide majority of regulation. But we go into the overtime. And they they did. They did want to do that. They, they looked much better. But Florida still looked superior. So really what you're trying to do is steal a game in overtime. Until, tragically, this happens. Opportunity for Drew to clear, but White keeps it in. They get it to Eric Stahl. Stahl, top of the circle, sends it out in front to score! Ryan Lomberg, as Anderson had been run into. And Ryan Lomberg's first of this postseason. And he's not leaving the net. For right now, seems to have given Florida the win, but the Canes have not headed to the bench. Yeah, so it was actually pretty clear goaltending interference by a substandard Colin. Not to get all Colin um, supremacy here, but if your Colin name doesn't have at least two L's in it, your name's not Colin, it's Colin. It's a completely different name. I just want to put that out there. The Colin community, which I'm clearly a spokesperson of, does not claim Colin White because his name is Colin. Our name is Colin. Just putting that out there. Can you tell it's 2 a.m.? Can you tell I'm recording this after a very long and deflating loss? But ultimately, the game would go on for almost seven full periods of hockey. Two games and then one. And again would finish within the final seconds of quadruple overtime. I'm not going to play the goal. It's whatever. Broad strokes here. Freddie Anderson played spectacularly. Bobrovsky played spectacularly. Both goaltenders were absolutely incredible, especially after the end of regulation. I don't remember the exact stat, but I think it was something like 80 shots were stopped in a row between those two netminders. Both of them were just absolutely top-notch Vesna-caliber goaltenders tonight. But here's the thing. I don't think either of them were playing in Game 2. Because, again, they played seven periods of hockey. There was, It would be irresponsible for either of them to start Game 2 for just the sake of Ray and Taylor. That is three games in three days. Absolutely absurd. Should not be done. So expect to see Ranta and expect to see former Hurricanes prospect Alex Lyon in game two. I know there's some speculation about, hey, who, ha, ha, ha. No, but like really, neither of them will play this game. But they both played spectacularly. Tara Vining came back. Yay, everyone here, yay. He came back, honestly, faster than you know, basically everyone expected. It's been less than 30 calendar days since his surgery. And you could tell early on that he is not himself, or he wasn't himself. Let me rephrase. You could, I mean, there's just bits and pieces, you know, like everyone else had been playing 
playoff-level hockey for the past month as he was in the locker room waiting for the game to end. And you saw that early on in the game, but as the game went on, especially in overtime, I thought he looked a lot like himself. Uh, he's still not there yet, obviously, but when you play two games of hockey in a single night, you're going to be able to get a lot of that rest off, and I think he's going to play a lot better in game two, but I still expect him to be on the Jordan line with Natchez, so that's the thing. <laughs> I'm sorry, I, w- I just happened to look up at the Canes PR site where they announced that the team will not hold any practice tomorrow, and that's just one of those, like, well, yeah, type of things. But that's not, that's not what we're looking into. So, quickly, before we head down to the locker room and hear from the head coach, and I believe we have Martin Natchez and Jordan Stahl to hear from as well. This hurts. Losing a game in quadruple overtime on your home ice does not feel great. Put that out there. I know some people are going to say that's a hot take, but it's not fun. And it's, it's incredibly deflating, and it definitely takes away all of your previous momentum. Because you, you were one shot away. And it just didn't happen. And, by the way, the, the storyline on this might end up being that uh, Matthew Kachuk played an incredible game. And that's just not true. The man was next to invisible until that goal. Uh, a little piece of, like, grow to hate him. In his post-game comments, he was like, that's my favorite goal I've ever scored, period. Like, just straight up. Favorite goal. And I, I, like, I'm not even, I don't hate him for saying it, because obviously if I had scored that goal, I would feel the same way, but it's just a little bit like salt meat wound. But anyways, what this loss means, if you look at statistics, this loss means that the Carolina Hurricanes will lose this series. That is actually statistically accurate. No team has ever lost a game in the Stanley Cup Finals in quadruple overtime and then gone on to win that series. The last time it happened was the Tampa Bay Lightning and that sweep to the Columbus Blue Jackets after the record-breaking season, which then Boston took over this season, but it's not the point, it's not where we're at. And honestly, I think stuff like that's kind of bullshit. Like, just, it makes no sense. It is one of those statistics that, like, it's kind of like losing that on the road last year for the Hurricanes. It just has happened that way, but one thing is not connected. There is no actual relationship between the two. This just sucks. And I do think it affects the series, right? Like, you cannot deny that it affects the series, that the Carolina Hurricanes have lost all of the momentum, and the Florida Panthers that are mentally riding high after defeating the Boston Bruins and Toronto Maple Leafs now have even more momentum going into Game 2 inside of PNC Arena. So, if you expected a sweep, first of all, you lunatic, uh, because that was never going to happen, that's obviously not going to happen now. If you expected it in five games, you are a very confident person. Like, you you must be an incredible salesman, because that, again, was never going to happen, but I'm proud of you for convincing yourself it could have. If you were thinking Game 6... I might have agreed with you before, right? Like, before this game, I could see six. You know, there's going to be a couple lucky fluke ones there. But yeah, I could see it. 
But what this proves is that this is going to be a seven-game series, no matter which way it goes. Because when you go to seven games, it's a coin flip. And that's what this series is going to be. A quick look at game two. Uh, probably should save this until after the press conference. But again, it's 2 a.m. I'm just kind of free-flowing here. This goes back to this game two, what's going to matter the most for it, the entire series moving forward, really, is going to be recovery. Which team can recover best? Because we're going to hear a bunch of jokes about how the Hurricanes are going to play tomorrow, which when you're listening to this, that's very true. But technically, the Hurricanes and Florida Panthers will play back-to-back-to-back days. And that's not easy. That's why... Bobrovsky and Anderson cannot start Game 2. They just can't. It would be so detrimental to the like, actual physical health. So whichever team can recover, because obviously you're still going to go with your skaters back-to-back. Maybe a couple of your minor guys get switched out, but like Ajo staying in, uh, Kachuk is staying in, like obviously Bennett staying in. You're not taking out marquee players. So whoever can get Thor players to recover the fastest and or the most completely. Obviously, none of them are going to be back to 100%. But if the Florida Panthers roster is only recovered to like 87 and the Hurricanes are at like 96, that's a huge difference. And I think the Hurricanes take a major advantage on that front because, I mean, they're in rally. Right? Like, their entire staff is here. And I don't know the name of everyone on that staff, but I can tell you that Hurricane's strength and conditioning coach, Doug Bennett, is going to be incredibly busy tonight trying to create that plan. And I honestly think that the Hurricanes will recover better, which makes me think that they will win Game 2, which is why I don't think it will be a sweep for the Panthers. And once they win Game 2, they could carry that momentum into Game 3. Win Game 3, you're not going to win both games in Florida, but winning one ties the series at 2. Coming back to Raleigh, Hurricanes take a 3-2 lead. You see how this could all work out in the wash? Yeah, this loss sucks. It hurts, but it doesn't even hurt like you're losing a series, because of course we haven't lost a series. It just hurts that I stayed up to 2 a.m. to watch my team lose in their own building. That's the part of it that sucks. It's the inconvenience factor. It's not the heartbroken factor. I would also point out just very quickly, and uh, yeah, you know what? I'm just going to run with it. The Florida Panthers are an incredibly good hockey team. Don't get me wrong. And Paul Maurice is a good NHL head coach. Actually, quick side note on this other side note. I had someone tweet at me during the game when Paul Maurice lost his mind when the Hurricanes got their 5-on-3. And they were like, wow, someone should give Maurice a Snickers. And like, guys, that's just who Paul Maurice is. For people who either don't remember or didn't follow the Hurricanes when he coached here, Maurice is just that. Like, when you see Rod Brynamore upset... That's just Paul Maurice all of the time. <laughs> like, they were very similar that way. Uh, I'm assuming that's something that Rod picked up from Maurice, and he's just also an intense guy. But anyways, back to what I was saying. Uh, I'm not diminishing how good the Florida Panthers are, and they deserved this win tonight And again, quadruple overtime. I don't know if I've mentioned that enough yet. Sixth longest game in NHL history. But they defeated the Boston Bruins, 
who faced their first adversity basically the entire year when, like, half the roster got sick at the beginning of the Stanley Cup playoffs. And then Florida came in, picked up a couple of games, and was like, yeah, you know what? You guys can go be sick. We'll dominate. And that's what they did, and good for them, right? They took it to Game 7. They ended up winning in overtime. Shut up. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> uh, and then they went against the Toronto Maple Leafs in the second round, and Listeners of this show will know that I always thought, always thought, that once Toronto won a a round, that was their season. That is their Stanley Cup. They celebrated that as if everything in the NHL had been given to them. Matthews had won all the offensive awards. Hell, you know what? They gave Matthews the Norse. Just because they, they, the Toronto Maple Leafs were just that good. And that's what it felt like in Toronto. If you watch the celebrations, that's what it was like. So of course they were going to lose in the second round, because the White Whale was making it out of the first round. They'll come back next year and be better. But the White Whale this year was coming out of the first round. So the Florida Panthers were always going to beat them. You could have put the Arizona Coyotes against the Maple Leafs in the second round, and the Arizona Coyotes would have beat them. Probably in seven games, but still. Okay, I'm rambling. I'm, none of that is wrong, by the way. I realize I'm rambling because it's late and I'm upset, but none of that is untrue. But before I say something that gets me canceled, like cookout is overrated. Aww. Aw, shut up. It's a milkshake spot that makes terrible food that I can make at home. Anyways... Again, canceled much? Uh, let's just go do this press conference, guys. I, <laughs> I've so lost my thread. Ladies and gentlemen, please take your seats. The first voice you'll hear is Corey LaViolette of the North State Journal and Athletic. Rod, I guess the... The biggest thing to ask is just what do you say to your guys after a after a game like yeah, that? Not much to say. I mean, everybody feels you know how everybody feels, and it's a tough way to lose a game. That's for sure. You go that long, um, a lot of ups and downs in that game. So it's one game. You know, at the end of the day, it's one game, and uh, we will we'll pick the pay, you know, pick it up tomorrow. We'll probably obviously let these guys probably stay home and regroup the next day. Front left. Uh, do you worry at all about the fact that there is just something so deflating about playing that much hockey? It only yeah. counts one game, but yeah. it can be a mindset. No, it's listen. That's the worst way to lose. There's no way around it. You'd rather lose, like we talked about last series, where we got we had a game where we didn't really have a chance to win it. That one could have went either way, obviously. So, but you know, we'll, we'll like I said, we'll we'll regroup and come back at it again the next one. I mean, it's just one game. Right side, second row, Luke. Freddie's performance keeping yeah. guys in it and over time, and it just seemed like he was able to build momentum and build momentum yeah. to some of those Yeah, I mean, he was great. I mean, they, they definitely had plenty of chances to, you know, score, and he kept us in there and gave us a chance tonight. I mean, obviously, we had a couple, too. Third period, we had a great third period. Just, we didn't get anything out of their goalie was great, too, so it's a good goalie battle, and, you know, it's just unfortunate we, we didn't find that one. Ron, did it take you a while to get your get your game? But did you feel like this yeah. is going to be what this is going to be? This well, it, we, this we weren't very. I didn't. No, we weren't bad. We just they were really good. I thought they were honest and and um, 
But then we got to it in the third. I mean, I felt like, okay, here we go. And we just weren't able to get that, that game winner. I apologize for just playing um, basically the raw press conference. I edited it slightly. We moved a couple of questions that I thought were nonsensical. But there was nothing to have fun with in, in most of this. Uh, I'm going to dunk on a reporter when they were speaking to Martin Natchez, who is who we're going to hear from next. But it is really hard to have a good time after such a deflating loss like this. But again, and I, I want to reiterate what Rod just said, it's just one game. It's just the first game, and I've already laid out in this episode how they can recover from this quite easily, actually. It's just one game. But next, of course, as I said, we'll go to Martin Natchez on his initial thoughts immediately after the game. Good, good recovery tomorrow, and then, you know, look at the video, what we did wrong, uh, what he got to get better at, and, uh, and, you know, come back with the full force. What was, how would you describe the way Bobrovsky was playing? It was like he was a sponge. It was no give. I get so tired. And again, quickly, before we hear Natchez's response, I just want to comment on this, because it this, this is the type of thing that bothers me. Because we hear all the time about how NHL players never show their personality in press conferences like this or press scrums. They never give real answers in press scrums like this. But of course they're not when you ask this question in this way. Martin Natchez is a very young player still. And that's the question you're going to ask him after his team loses in quadruple overtime? I don't think it's wrong to ask about Bobrovsky. That's proper. You should do that. But rather than setting it up as, oh my god, he was a sponge, you just couldn't get anything past him, why not phrase it as, what do you look at, what did you see Voris Bavrovsky that you guys can do better in the next one? What did you learn that you're going to be able to use against him in the next game? That is a good productive question that he's going to have an answer to. He's going to have like an actual answer of step one, step two, step three, this is how we reach our goal. But he's just going to give you a stupid hockey answer because you gave him a stupid question. And this is, this is not on the players. You have to ask them better questions than this. Or they're not going to give you real answers because they don't want to answer that question. He's, if his fans are as deflated as they are, which if you watched the game and saw them, or you're a fan of the Carolina Hurricanes... You know how deflated you were. Imagine how deflated he was in this moment. And then, oh my god, Brofsky was just so good, right? Like, dude, fuck off. But anyways, this is what Natchez had to say. Yeah, I mean, he was good, but uh, so was Freddie, you know. Uh, both goalies played play great, and uh, yeah, uh, I mean, you got to get a little more into that, I think. Uh, you know, uh, shoot a little more with the traffic, get the pucks through, and uh, yeah, I mean, both goalies were, played great, and uh you know, uh, they got, you know, um, they got a nice goal at the, at the end there. You could feel him searching his mind so that he could vamp longer to make it sound like he was giving an answer to a question he did not want to answer. He was then asked if this game sets an expectation for the rest of this series. Yeah, I mean, at this point of the, in the playoffs, I feel like every game uh, is going to be kind of tight and, uh, you know, it's kind of back and forth and uh, we lost first one, but, you know... Uh, you gotta, you gotta just, you know, sleep on it, and then next day come, come back and uh, start fresh. And then, because it was a loss, they shoved out the captain and Jordan Stahl to, you know, 
be a punching bag a little bit for reporters. And basically, all of his questions remained the same. Uh, you know, how does it feel to lose? What does this mean for the series? Stuff like that. There was uh, a good one at the end about what they were doing during the intermissions for overtime. Surprise, surprise, they ate, they stayed hydrated, and they tried their best to keep the room positive. Good vibes only. But they asked, uh, they, I, it was some report I don't recognize the voice of, just asked them very bluntly, like, hey, Jordan, how do you feel right now? I'm tired. And, uh, it's, uh, I'm sure they are too. And it was, uh, it was a battle. And it was, it, was, it was playoff hockey, for sure. It was playoff hockey, for sure, right? Like, <laughs> oh, guys, this sucks because we're on the wrong end of it for this game. But this is what playoff hockey is all about. Tonight's game did not end the way anyone listening to this podcast wanted it to. I'm going to assume that there was no Panthers fan just randomly jumping in. Uh, none of us wanted this. But 20 years from now, this will be one of those where were you win moments. For instance, where were you when Brock McGinn scored in double overtime against the Washington Capitals? Where were you when Scotty Walker punched the lights out of the Boston Bruins? There were these moments in franchise history which is very unique. Everyone has a memory from that time. And this game has now become one of them, even if we were on the losing end. Because again, ultimately, this game is now a trivia question. It is the longest game ever played in Carolina Hurricanes history, plus it is the sixth longest game played in the history of the National Hockey League. I'm feeling better now that I'm done with this episode, right? Like I'm, I circled around a little bit, I've been through my emotions, and ultimately, again, it sucks, but it's just one game. Onwards and upwards. If this team gave up after just a little bit of adversity, they wouldn't be here right now. They would have lost in the first round against the New York Islanders after Torbo broke his hand. Maybe they wouldn't have ever gotten here. The season could have fallen apart after Svech and Pacioretty. Maybe, just maybe... The recovery of this team, the revitalization of the franchise would have never happened. Because all that shit was hard, man. Let's be honest here. And I realize grasping at straws a little bit here, but that's kind of the point. Like, playoff hockey is so ridiculously unpredictable that you just have to be a goldfish and forget about this one. Come back. Saturday afternoon, or Saturday evening, and watch hockey. Like, forget about this. There's nothing you can do about it. But in Game 2, now we have something to talk about. Before we fly off into the night, and I can get some quality sleep for the next about five hours, if that. Uh, I'm definitely sleeping in tomorrow, but that's not my point. I want to talk to you about the Home Ice Advantage Patreon. For as little as $2 a month, you can support independent Carolina Hurricanes coverage. There are exclusive perks, like free, ad-free, excuse me, 
episodes of the podcast so you don't have to constantly hear about um, Spotify for podcasters and another ad I'm working on currently. You will also get full, unedited video versions of every interviews I've done. So the last one with Walt Ruff is already there. And then all the future ones I do, whether it's Mike Maniscalco, Dan LaTorica, Adam Gold, whoever ends up coming onto the show next, because working on some exciting names there, uh, all of those video interviews would be posted unedited on Patreon. So yay! Exclusive content! Uh, I would also, there's some other perks. You know what? I'm not going to list everything. It's linked down in the description below. For as little as $2 a month, you can support independent Carolina Hurricanes coverage. If you feel fancy about it, you could do $5 a month. We also have the Home Ice Advantage pop-up merch store until the end of the playoffs, Defend the Barn, also linked down below. But let's get over the sales pitch, because I am incredibly tired. As always, thank you for listening to Home Ice Advantage. Share it with a friend, copy it into your clipboard, maybe, hear me out on this one, copy it to your email and send it to that annoying coworker that you really hate, because, hey, everyone loves Kane's hockey. Follow me online everywhere at Colin Home Ice, and until game two, on Saturday, in Saturday, on Saturday, it's late. Go Canes.